Well, I'll say bless the Lord if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Hi, Kairos. Welcome back. We've missed you. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. If we haven't met, hello. Um, We just want to be a kind of place uh, that engages the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, with anybody. And so I'm glad you're here. We want to have an honest and unique connection to God and each other. And I'm so delighted you decided to start the year off with us. I hope you had a good break. Um, I know that extended time off with family and friends can be both a blessing and a burden. So wherever you landed in that, um, I also know pastorally and personally uh, that for some reason uh, around extended time off and around the holidays, uh, temptation can get pretty high and old patterns of sin and thinking and living can creep back in. Stuff you thought you were done with or stuff you thought you had conquered all of a sudden reappears. And so if that was your story this break, I just wanna let you know God forgives you and so do I, and that there is freedom and forgiveness waiting for you at the table tonight. If this break was a blessing and it was relaxing and rejuvenating and confirming about all the things that God has done in you and through you and is going to do, we celebrate with you. And I just wanna let you know there's power and the presence of God awaiting us tonight as we gather in his name. If it was a little bit of both, I know what that feels like personally. Um, I think break for me was a blessing and a burden. I had extended time with family and friends. It was full of joy and sadness and both were equally from the hand of God. Um, He did, however, spare me one burden um, and that was he allowed me to stay away in the month of December from consumeristic purgatory known as the mall, okay? (laughs) Now, I, 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 I made that mistake when I first moved here once, went to Cool Springs and said, never again. Uh, it's just, ugh, it's, it's three layers away from the gates of hell. Um, and that's no offense to you if you work at the mall. That's no offense to you if you play in the traffic in our city. Um, I pray for you daily. Um, but I do have preteen daughters and I love them, and so I do things I hate to show them that I love them, and one of them is going to the mall. So we went there in November, um, but luckily I was spared going in December. Now, by the way, I, I know I may be getting older and out of touch. I didn't know we still had malls. Um, I thought they died like 20 years ago and are buried next to blackberries, but apparently it's still a thing, and you step in, and it's the same pattern as it was when I was a teenager, all right? It has not changed. It is anchored by department stores that you walk through, a ladder of specialty stores that rip you down into the gluttonous belly, otherwise known as the food court. It's the same pattern. I don't know, wherever you go, chances are enclosed mall, that's the pattern you're gonna find. Now, and by the way, full disclosure, I used to work at the mall as a teenager. That's right, Foot Locker, what's up? And so um, I got back in there and I started reminiscing and remembered all the times that I I was in the mall and I remembered, I thank God that I wasn't working during the holiday season. The holiday season at the mall gets a little bit crazy 
because not only do you have all the stores and everyone getting real excited, for some reason during the holiday season, I don't know if they still do this, all of a sudden the middle of the walkway start popping up like gremlins that got wet, um, that all these little stores and specialty booths that are hawking their wares, I remember when I was a teenager, man, you'd walk down the course of the mall and you could buy anything from a ham to a helicopter. Do you remember that? Like some guy's flying a helicopter, like, oh my gosh, my life is so insignificant until I have that. <laughs> but there was one store, and this may date me as a child of the 80s, and you, you, you may not remember it, but it was called Magic Eye 3D Image. I think we have a picture of it. Um, there was this little booth in the middle of the mall and it had this geometric pattern that basically looks like Jackson Pollock vomited on it. Um, and I'm walking down, I come back from Orange Julius, bebopping in my Foot Locker referee outfit and I stand next to someone and I'm like, what the tar is that? And all of a sudden they go, oh my gosh, it's the space shuttle. And I'm like, it's a space shuttle. What are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, you just, you got to stare it for a while. And this 3D image comes out. And I'm like, okay, can't do it. Try hard, move around to the next one, stand there next to someone. Oh my gosh, it's a fighter pilot. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's nothing. It's your bank account balance. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> so real quick to demonstrate, I actually had to go back and do some research when I was thinking about this. They uh, use a principle. I wrote it down because it was so confusing. Parallel viewing, that's it. So let me demonstrate it to you. Put your hands out in front of you like this. Put your fingers together. Stare at where your fingers are meeting. Okay, you see that? Now I want you to look at a fixed point right beyond your fingers. Now slowly, as you don't look at your fingers, look at the fixed point beyond your fingers, slowly pull them apart and watch what happens. You see that? Wiggle it. Isn't that weird? See it floating? That's the principle that it uses, okay? You're welcome. Literally called the Frank Furter principle. Hot dog, all right? Because when you wiggle, it's like a little weenie without a pig in a blanket, right? That's what those pictures are doing. They're messing with your mind. So I'm sitting there. Uh, I mean, I'm working all kind of hours during the holidays. I still can't see the daggum space shuttle. So finally, I'm standing there, and the guy who runs the booth of undetermined ethnicity comes up and he decides to be my spiritual guru and help me crack the code. And he's like, I've seen you here a lot. And I'm like, I can't see it, dude. And he's like, you've got to look beyond the picture. Now, guys, I'm all for really spiritual, metaphorical, non-concrete advice. I give it all the time. I'd like to see the space shuttle. Look beyond the picture. Not helping. Here's the picture. Look beyond it. How? Tell me, please. So I'm standing there for like 10 minutes trying so hard and it's still not coming out. And finally my ADD kicks in and my eyes actually go blurry and all of a sudden the heavens part and there's the freaking space shuttle. <laughs> I felt like the mysteries of the universe were unraveling and coming to view right in front of me in between Aunt Annie's and Lids. And all of a sudden maybe God was calling me to be an aerospace engineer. <laughs> And the second I saw it, I focused in on it and it vanished. And what I realized is I've been trying so hard to focus on seeing the image. What I should have been doing is training my eyes to relax and let the image appear. And walking into 2019, so many of us, I don't know about you, are just tired of trying so hard. 
Are you tired of it? I am. I'm tired of trying to be a better Christian, to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better preacher, to be a better reader, to be a better pastor, to have a better body, to have a better beard. Actually, that one's okay. To just, no matter what I do, it feels like it's never enough. I gotta be honest with you. I don't know about you. I only have so many hours in the day and I only have so much willpower and discipline. I'm not a super Christian. And with that limited time, for some reason, no matter how much I focus and try, the idealized version of myself never seems to appear. And I know it's January and we shouldn't be talking this way, but I wonder if sometimes we can't take a step back and refocus our vision and fix our eyes upon Jesus if who he's created us to be might actually appear if we train our eyes to look in a different way. And I think we all want the same things, don't we? We all want a life that's full of significance. We want meaningful relationships. We want to know that we have an identity and a purpose. We want intimacy and power with Jesus. We wanna know deeper levels of significance and security and confidence regardless of our circumstances. But for some reason, we try every year to go after certain things and I don't know about you, it just never seems to stick. Maybe if we approached it just from a different angle and with the power and partnership of Jesus, maybe a different way would come in to focus. And so we're gonna start a series called Patterns and it's paths that either help or hurt us. Because uh, hear hear my heart on this. I'm not against New Year's resolutions, setting goals, being disciplined, trying really, really hard to achieve certain results. Matter of fact, I do all those things and I think they're actually biblical. What I am trying to say is let's look at the underlying patterns of how we go about those things and whether or not they're actually helping or hurting in the long run. And so we've been journeying through the book of Philippians and it happens to be January and we're arriving in Philippians chapter three. Um, And in just a second, Jacoby's gonna come and read our text for us, but I want you to pay attention to Jesus' picture here in the scripture that Paul paints for him. Now, he's gonna paint a picture and it's not devoid of suffering, sadness, or sacrifice, but it is bright and it is vivid and it will come into focus as we learn to train our ears and our eyes to see the true character of Christ. Jacoby, would you come and read our text for us? Jacoby um, is one of my daughters in the ministry and then also one of the ones who helps me incredibly with sermon research and writing. So once again, anything you hear tonight that is profound, it is hers. Anything that's stupid and personal, I take full credit for. (laughs) Let me pray for us before Jacoby reads our text. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before this in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Our text tonight comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision 
who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes from God through faith in Christ Jesus. All right, so uh, if you're new or um, you're new to Christian culture, it's just gonna get weird. I, I can't, I, I just, there's, the word circumcision is in the text, okay? And it's just gonna go downhill from there. So I make no apologies. We're preaching through the text and we can't skip really awkward passages, all right? Paul is agitated here. Why is he agitated? Because he can't stand it when people try to elevate trying to earn and merit and win God's favor by their own righteousness that says, I am a good enough person, therefore I deserve God's love. He's gonna get so angry. In fact, there's two pejoratives in this text. The first one is dogs, doesn't sound like a big deal to us, but it is actually a religious slur that the Judaizers would use against non-Jewish people. They would call them dogs. He takes it and turns it right back around on them and said, you're the dogs. And he says, you're mutilators of flesh. You're putting your trust and your righteousness in ritual, religious, observant, yet your hearts are far from God. Then he's gonna go so far as to list out his religious resume, this impressive works righteousness, and he's going to call it rubbish, more accurately translated, dung, poop, crap, and yes, even that word, skybala. In the Greek, it is what you think it is and worse. Why? Paul wants to shock the religious people out of their polite notions of following the rules, but their hearts are far from God. Not having a righteousness that comes from my own, but a righteousness that comes from God through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think intuitively a lot of us get this, right? We know what's crap in our life. We know there are unhealthy patterns. There are toxic relationship patterns that we continue to get in. There are unhealthy attachments. There's manic spending, manic worrying, manic image management, manic comparing. And then there's those places in the dark and in the private that you know that you retreat when things get stressful. This is your drug of choice. And we know what it's like to make progress and to slip back into those old patterns of behavior. I get it. 
And I think the gospel wants to liberate us to see God a different way and see the fact that freedom in Christ is available and that we can live fully and freely and lightly in the kingdom of God and we can participate in the fellowships of his sufferings so that we may attain the resurrection of the dead and the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives and reigns with me right now. And so right now some things have got to die and Jesus has got to resurrect them or I have no hope or no future, I get it. But isn't it curious? Paul doesn't mention all the bad things that he calls crap. He mentions some of the best achievements of his life. Think about that for a second. That's a good religious resume. What he basically said is, I grew up in a Christian home. I got a Christian doctorate, masters and bachelors. I got a great job. And I did was very disciplined. And I was one of the most strictly religious observant people. I was at every service, doing every ritual, everything you could possibly imagine, every mission trip, I was there. Now you could argue when you get to persecuting the church, that's probably not so good. From the other point of view, it was. Like that's how serious he took his faith. I imagine he even posted it on Facebook at times and said, if you don't repost this, you're not saved, okay? <laughs> Paul's saying all that stuff, crap, compared to what? To knowing the surpassing greatness of Christ Jesus my Lord, why would he say something that's actually good is crap? Because here's what I believe Paul, the point Paul's trying to make is the fact that he took pride and arrogance in it poisoned the very activities that he was trying to pursue God with. And some of us are in danger of the same thing. Is there something that it's a good thing, but you've learned to take pride in it? And all of a sudden your righteousness and your faith is not built on what Jesus has done, but on your impressive religious resume. Well, God loves me more than them because of this. Well, look what I've done. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this. And I think if we're gonna have a radical revival of an outbreaking of the spirit of God with power and humility, I think all of us are gonna have to come again to the feet of Jesus and refocus our vision on him and say, without you, I can do nothing. I'm done with image management. I'm done with trying to impress other people. I'm done lording things over other people. I want a greater sense of compassion and caring. And my ultimate goal in life is intimacy with Jesus so that I can be called the greater sacrifice for the cause of Christ. Not so I am elevated and people think more highly of me than they should. Dallas Willard says it this way. He says, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Effort is an action, earning is an attitude. Grace, you see, is not just for forgiveness of sins. And if I could pick it up there, I would say grace is for us to establish new patterns of righteousness for his name's sake. God's giving you the same grace that forgave your sins to now allow you to live fully and freely into new patterns of righteousness to pursue Christ every single day. Men and women, I say this, let's stop trying so hard. And let's start training as gospel members of the body of Christ. John Orberg summarizes it best with this metaphor and then I'm done. He's a pastor in California and a writer and uh, he's maybe in his mid sixties. Now he surfs, but how do I say this kindly? And you may say the same thing about me. He has a scholar's physique, okay? 
and is not really what you would go, wow, that's an athletic specimen, all right? Much love to him. His brain is beautiful, okay? Um, but he, he said it this way. I had to do this to set up his story so that it makes more sense. He said, having never run in my life, what if I woke up one day and said, I'm gonna run a marathon? You would say, that's a lofty goal. I got up. I read all the blogs, I bought all the gear, I figured out how to carb load, I figured out what shoes to run, I researched you know, philosophy, should I be a heel striker or a toe striker? You know, I got the right playlist, everything like that. And once I got all that information, I went out, found the first race I could and got up to the starting line. Now, no one has ever been more dedicated, disciplined and committed to me than running a marathon in the entire history of the human race. And when that, Gun goes off, they really don't do those as marathons that I've been at, but uh, when they say go, I try my hardest. No one's ever tried harder than I have. Now granted, I've never run before, but I'm going to try my hardest. He says, will I finish that race? Absolutely not. Why not? Human body's not designed just to wake up and run 26.2 miles. He says, what did I forget to do? Train. He said, I grew up in try hard religion. I was always trying harder in every single crisis to bring up a marathon type faith. And whenever I failed, I got discouraged. And I learned to have a legalistic tendency to go, hey, I read my Bible and I pray, therefore I'm okay and God won't let bad things happen to me. And it failed every single time. He said, I'm done with trying hard. I'm ready to start training in the spiritual disciplines to live the life Jesus is calling me to live one foot, one mile, one training session at a time so that when the trials, the testings and the tribulations come, I've been training all along for it. And even when I fail, I know I can step back in and learn intricate details about how I need to move forward. What would it look like this year, men and women? We didn't just go out of here and try really, really hard for a couple weeks, but we committed ourselves to a lifestyle of training picking up small habits and patterns that we implement into our everyday life that start to exercise our faith and understand that we have a righteousness that comes from God, not of our own works, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? So we like to take 120 seconds after we've opened up the word and talked about it to just kind of reflect and the band's gonna come up and we'll be singing in a second, but there's a couple of reflection questions that I would like for, to give to you guys to practice as reflective prayer. If you wanna write or journal at this time, if the Lord's already speaking to you, stop listening to me, please. If he's already given you something that you know has had your name on it tonight, please write it down. Capture it in your notes. When the Lord speaks, make sure you're listening. Don't harden your hearts. It is a gift. And there's spiritual power in what he's saying. He's giving you a spiritual weapon. But I would ask you, as you look back over this last year, is there an unhealthy pattern that continues to emerge in your life? No matter how hard you try, for some reason, it keeps rearing its ugly head and it's hurting you and it's hurting the people you care about. Can you see it? 
Now don't focus on it, focus on Jesus. Hand it to him. Let him hold you. And ask him for new patterns that will produce in you the life that he sees you living. Is there anything, my career Christians in the room, that you've maybe poisoned with merit and earning and entitlement? Something that's good, but somewhere along the way, it's because you do this, you deserve that. Or you realize, wow, the, the way that I exercise that gift is really not an expression of my faith. It's actually a way that I can impress other people. Or when I do this, I don't think I'm trying to help people. I think I'm secretly condemning them. That's a tricky one. It's one of the devil's favorite. Maybe remember the reason why you started doing that in the first place. And make sure your goal is intimacy with Jesus. Maybe you don't even know Jesus. Maybe you're pretty overwhelmed at this point. You're like, I've heard a lot of stuff and I understood half of it. And the half I did understand, I'm not really sure what to do with it, but for some reason, if you're saying the God of the universe because of Jesus loves me, then even in the midst of all my questions, my pain, my hurt, and my sin, I wanna be in. Whatever he has in store for me, I don't wanna miss it. Maybe if you just repeat after me. Father, I want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to love my neighbor as myself. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Amen. Amen.